Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So we've been going through The Chosen. Did everybody watch episode two? Shabbat. Nice. Awesome. What's up, guys? Good to see you. No worries. Episode two is cool. It's titled Shabbat, and so tonight I'm going to be talking about the Sabbath, and a lot of our discussions going to revolve around rest, recovery, the Sabbath, and its role in our spiritual lives. And I'm going to tell you before I even get into this topic, I am probably the least qualified person in the room to stand in front of you and tell you how to do this well. So I'm going to share with you... (laughs) I'm going to share with you some of my meditations on the subject. I hope that it spurns helpful discussion and maybe gives you some things to work on over the next two weeks. Because in my stage of life right now, not making excuses for myself, but in my stage of life right now, I have a lot to learn about what it means to rest well, to wait on God, to create the space necessary to pursue spiritual disciplines. So... Let's dive into it. So if you would uh, open your Bibles with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. Second book of the Bible, traditionally attributed to Moses, has the great story of the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and this particular chapter is the famous Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is in the middle, embedded in the Ten Commandments. This is God speaking. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day, that is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You will not do any work, neither your son nor your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or even the aliens in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed that day and consecrated it. We're going to talk a bit about what it means for God to rest, because that's just weird, right? But I want to talk about this law first. Because when it comes to the Ten Commandments, most of us would agree, it would be great if people didn't kill each other, murder. It'd be great if we didn't steal each other's stuff. It'd be great if I wasn't jealous of your marital status, how pretty your wife is and whatnot, right? All those things would be great. Those are part of the Ten Commandments. But this Sabbath thing is a really, really weird, in our modern world, 
a weird idea. Don't work for a day? What does that even mean? And actually throughout the, the Old Testament, Levitical law, Deuteronomy, you find that it's not just, it's not don't do your profession. It's don't do a bunch of other stuff too. There are other things that are, are spoken of in the Old Testament that there are laws against doing on the Sabbath day to consecrate the day. And we'll talk about what that means as well. You couldn't salt your meat. Like you couldn't prepare it and make sure that it didn't spoil. So you're not supposed to slaughter animals and prepare them and whatnot. Uh, you're not supposed to tie knots. That was the thing you weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath day, according to old Jewish law. You weren't, you weren't supposed to put out a fire. Just let that baby burn. No joke. It's in Leviticus. You don't put fires out on the Sabbath. You just let it, just let it do its thing. Now, the, the only, the only like, uh, caveat to the law was that if it was life and death for somebody, then you could intervene. Don't put out a fire unless, you're, unless it's like around your child. Like, oh, okay, okay, like, you can put that one out. You want to save that kid, right? Don't, tie, don't untie a knot unless, I don't know, picture way that person might die if you didn't untie said knot, right? But, not, well, that's a bad picture. Anyway, <laughs> I did not plan to say that. So, <laughs> so, so understand that, that the Sabbath had all of these laws in the Old Testament placed on top of what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath, right? But you also need to understand where the Sabbath came from. Did the Sabbath exist before the Ten Commandments? Well, this passage says yes, because it's part of the creation story. In fact, the Sabbath was even before the fall of man, before Adam let Eve eat the apple, that snake, you know, you know the story. So the Sabbath was a thing, a day of rest, away from your work. The Sabbath was a thing before all of the laws. You guys wrapping your head around this with me? Okay. The Sabbath was a thing before of the laws. And it's really important that we understand that because there's, there's verses we're going to get into in a second where Jesus turns the understanding of the Sabbath on its head. Now, in the chosen, they're not spending a lot of time getting into the history of the Sabbath. But we see the Sabbath portrayed in episode two in a few different ways, right? So we see Nicodemus and his wife, you know, entertaining guests and talking about how pretty the gold plates are. And there's a lot of, a lot of hoity-toity humdrum around this auspicious event, right? And then we have Peter, who's not supposed to be fishing on the Sabbath. His wife's not happy about this at all, but he's, you know, got this deal with the Romans on the side. And so he's kind of breaking the law, Jewish law. And, but, you know, hey, in his mind, he's, he's doing something important that he has to do. And then we've got Mary. And humbly, this is her first time observing the Sabbath in a long time since being demon-possessed. Which is really cool because Jesus and his disciples show up and it's like, oh, <laughs> I love it. She doesn't even know who she's talking to, really, all of it. But she's like, no, no, now that you're here, you can run this thing. He's like, no, it's your house. It's a beautiful moment. The Sabbath is difficult for us to understand partially because we come from a very different culture. So if you're a writing man, write this down. There's a Hebrew word. It's called melakak. And I'm probably saying it wrong. M-E-L. 
A-C-H, A-C-H, M-E-L-A-C-H, A-C-H. That's the Hebrew word for work. See, when we think about work, we think about our vocation, right? Don't work on the Sabbath. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. I, I help people with their health and fitness. No coaching on the Sabbath. Hey, what should I eat for Christ? I'm not talking to you. It's the Sabbath. I'm done. Can't help. If you're a truck driver, you don't drive a truck on the Sabbath. If, you, uh, if you're, I don't know, landscaper, you don't plant trees on the Sabbath, right? You guys, you guys feel me? That's what we think work is. That's how we think of work. But back during this time, work, the word malachek, was about creating order in the world of chaos. That is to say what God did when he created the world in those seven days, right? And it's a really hard thing for us to understand because according to Levitical law, it was okay for a priest to deliver a sermon on the Sabbath. In fact, it was encouraged. What better to do than go listen to God's word read in the temple in this time? But it was unlawful for you to light a candle in your house. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. How's a candle work and preaching a sermon's not? That's that guy's vocation. It's a misunderstanding of what work is and what it means. You guys feel me? You follow me? Okay, work in this sense is the creation of order out of chaos. That's a no-go on the Sabbath. Do you know why? It takes energy. Has anybody ever planted a garden in the backyard? Okay. That's hard work. I remember when I was first like going through training certification and it was like uh, cardiovascular exercise, heavy gardening. Like heavy gardening? How is that? How's that cardio? Then I grew up and planted a garden. I was like, wow, that's, that's way harder than running. It's work to create order out of chaos. That's the kind of work this is talking about, right? It requires some of your life energy to plan for the future and to do difficult things now that are going to pay off later. Does that make sense? Okay, this is really important because this idea of work is not the same idea of work we have today. And in fact, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, there are a couple different times where it lends to the idea that not only was this helpful for people, but at the time, they also did a lot of their work with livestock and slaves. You know a good way to kill a donkey? Make it work every single day with no rest whatsoever. It was just practical. You know a good way to run your car into the ground? Turn it on and just leave it out there running all day long for the next seven days. See how it goes. Even machines need a break now and then, right? But we don't have slaves today, and a lot of us don't work with livestock. So what does the Sabbath mean for us? This is something I really wrestled with this week, and so I want to, uh, I want to point us to a couple of different passages. If you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. That's in the New Testament. Right after the Gospels and Acts. 
very, very cool letter written by Paul, kind of the summa of his theological treatise. We're in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read to you verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you might discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's this thing in exercise where people think it's about burning calories. I promise this is related. People think that the benefit of exercise is that you go burn some calories, right? Art's like, man, I need to put my shoes on, so I got to work on the, so I got to go burn those calories, right? Well, the, what's crazy is if you understand exercise science, the power of exercise is actually in the adaptation from the stress. It's not the calories that you burn in the moment, it's the increased blood flow that you get out of the equation, increased mitochondrial density, and larger lungs, and better stroke volume, and all those things that are beneficial for your body way after the fact. Does that make sense? I say the magic of your workout happens when you rest from your workout. Here's an interesting thing about our work. We grow the most when we have an opportunity to rest from it. We grow the most when we have the opportunity to rest from the work that we're doing. When I first moved to Arkansas, I thought you guys who really loved to deer hunt, like, I was like, what in the world? No offense, I loved archery, loved marksmanship, but I never understood why somebody would want to just sit in a tree for hours, literal hours. Not like, oh, I need to feed my family. I get that. That makes plenty of sense. But you got plenty of meat in the freezer. Why are you out there? That's right. It feels good to be out there with nothing else to do but be, right? Who in here does do some deer hunting? Sitting out the stand, okay. Nice, nice, okay. Do you look forward to that every year? Till it gets cold, yeah, no joke. <laughs> I bet, I bet, okay, how long am I going to wait? How much longer am I going to wait? You look forward to I, There are guys I know who wait an entire year to have eight hours to themselves to maybe write some stuff down, pray for their kids, think about their marriage in retrospect, thank God for armadillos, or whatever else comes to your mind when you're hanging out in a tree, right? Guys, that's the spirit of the Sabbath. And God intended the Sabbath every week. Now, I told you before I started talking, I'm the least qualified person to tell you what you're supposed to do with your Sabbath. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Do you know how often I get a day of rest? It's, I'm st I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, still, I'm still working on that. Like, I get maybe like a four-hour block of rest when I give those kids to their grandparents. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and you know what's going to happen is they're going to sugar them up and send them back, and I'm going to have to deal with the fallout. 
Yeah, see, here's the, here's the thing. <laughs> Grandparents, since I have the podium, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to use this as a soapbox for nutrition. But seriously, I'm really struggling with this in my life because being a father is part of my good work. And I understand they're going to grow up. Some of you guys have, you know, grown adult children, and some of you have teenagers and stuff, and you can probably rest adequately with them. A game of Monopoly doesn't turn into a, <laughs> like, giant Jedi battle, and you're like, I just, I was just trying to play a board game. Oops. I grew up with sisters. My teenage sisters' board games turned into a giant, like, fighting match, so it wasn't that restful at all. But my point is, we know we need it. We're supposed to have two gears, work and rest. Many of you guys in here have two gears, busy and busier. I am chief among the sinners in the room. One of the ways I've tried to combat that in myself is when somebody says, hey, Alex, how are you doing? And I almost say, I'm busy. I try to suck that back in and find something better to say. Because we wear that as like a badge of honor, right? I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. It's so cool that I have so much to do. Look how hard of a worker I am. What really stinks is many of the men I've sat across the table from who've said, hey, Alex, I need a lunch. I need to talk to somebody. We're talking about, I mean, deep, difficult things that they're carrying with them through their, their week. And what's crazy is they just need a Sabbath, man. They need to give their wife a big hug and be like, I'll give you a day. I need you to hang out with the kids. I need to go out in the woods with God. And he and I have some talking to do. We have some catching up to do. I have some writing that needs to get done. I need to put myself together because I suck right now. And it's because I'm not resting. I've been there, okay? I'm not, I'm not judging anybody in this room. I've said those exact words to my wife. And, you know, my wife's really cute because if I give her some time for her Sabbath, because we don't observe the Sabbath on Saturday, you know, I just, there's too many things going on in the world for, for us to pick a day and that be the day, you know. But I'll give her some time to Sabbath herself. I don't know, is that a verb? <laughs> to take a Shabbat. To, you get Shabbat. I take the kids. You get Shabbat. And she uses that to, like, check up. She was, at a time, checking off her to-do list. I had this errand to run, I had this errand to run. No, 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 you don't get... You're supposed to rest, woman. I'm supposed to reconvene with you, and you will be at peace and wonderful and put together and closer to God. Not closer done with your Target shopping list. Stop it. So if I'm going to give her a hard time, i got to lead by example, right? All right. Turn with me to Mark... Chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. The most succinct of all the Gospels. If you want to get a hard and fast dose of Jesus real quick, open to Mark. Read like two chapters. You'll get like 12 stories all at once. Boom. Mark's like the spark notes of the Gospel. Mark chapter 2. Verse 23, one Sabbath, he, this is Jesus, 
One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Oop, David did it. Then he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus was telling him, look, your preconceived notions, all the stuff, all the laws that you've created around the Sabbath is messing it up for everybody. The laws weren't the point. The point was to be close to God, to take time away from your work, to rest. Remember I said that the magic of exercise happens after the workout, when you recover? You actually become something new. Did you know that? You work out your muscles, you actually start creating new muscle cells. It's really cool. If you skip up to verse 22 with me, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees prior to the Sabbath thing. They're asking him about fasting and why his disciples aren't doing it at the moment and stuff. And he uses this analogy. No one puts new wine in old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst. And the wine is lost, and so are the skins. You put new wine into fresh wineskins. What does this have to do with the Sabbath? <laughs> you guys understand that when you work, and then you have an opportunity to rest, you are made new again. Write this word down. Renew. Renew. And underline the word new. You ever had like a stretch of time that was really busy and then you got to sleep for like 10 hours and you wake up and somebody says, hey, how are you? And you say, I'm a new man. Because you feel that way, right? You've been renewed. You've been restored. How can God give you a new answer to the things you're facing? How can he give you new direction? How can he give you new faith? If you're still the old guy who hasn't rested yet. So many times when I feel lost, so many times when I don't have the answer I'm looking for, I feel anxious. I'm not talking about like the tiny things in the day. I'm talking about the big stuff. The big decisions, the big difficult things, the giant meeting that can tank your whole business, right? The big stuff. Anytime when I feel lost, oftentimes I realize I haven't taken a Sabbath. In capitalism, you are the livestock. <laughs> you are the one whipping yourself to keep working every day, right? We all have a lot to do. I'm not, I'm not dissing that. I'm saying that if you feel lost, check yourself. Step back out of yourself for a second and say, when have I rested recently? When have I been renewed? When have God and I gotten tight again? 
and renewed my vision and my purpose. And I'm telling you, if the only time you do that is the hour and a half on church Sunday, you're in trouble, bro. That's like working out seven days a week and saying, well, today I only lifted a little weights. So that's kind of like rest, right? If anybody's ever done that before, you know, your joints and your muscles and your whole body's like, that was stupid. Don't do that again. Stop it. Rest, recover, become renewed. Are you guys tracking with me? This is a huge deal, okay? Because when I first, when I first got slapped in the face with the Sabbath, I was like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to find 24 hours every week to rest, whatever that means, running a business, I'm in the age of technology, I've got two little kids, roofs leak, heaters break, there's always something to do, right? I encourage you, if this is new to you, if you're in a busy season in life, to look at your calendar, be realistic, say, where can I block off four hours? And my rest might look different from yours. Some of you guys want to hang out in a deer stand? It doesn't have to be deer season to enjoy the forest, all right? That's just the excuse we tell our wives for hanging out in the deer stand. I'm just kidding. I prefer to fish. Personally, if I'm going to take a Sabbath and I'm going to go do something outdoorsy, I prefer to throw a line in the water. I don't even care if I catch anything. Just happy to be doing it. Maybe you need to go for a hike. Maybe you need to go sit next to a river somewhere. Maybe you just need to turn off your stupid phone and go hang out in a room and read a book. There's a, there's a whole book by a man named Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. It's about the spiritual disciplines. It's old. It's old. He was an old, old-timey writer. But things like meditation, solitude, prayer, fasting, study, those were celebrated spiritual disciplines. And when I ask a guy, hey, how's your Bible reading going? When was the last time you fasted? How long are you spending in prayer regularly? Oftentimes I'm like, man, if I had more time. If you find yourself saying that, that is a great indication that you need to get serious about your Sabbath time. I'm not saying you have to block off an entire day. I'm not saying you need to materialize some grandparents. I don't know what this is. This is me materializing grandparents. You watch the kids. <laughs> Look, I know that there are a lot of obstacles and reasons not to observe this. That's something we're going to discuss. But my encouragement to you is if you feel that on the inside, please make this a step in your spiritual journey. Please make this a point. Even if it's once a month, bro. Even if it's once a month. We got, we got to stop expecting some vacation in Mexico every two years to be all the restoration we need to hit the ground running. It was crazy when the pandemic first broke. So many people I talked to were like, man, this is so nice. Everything finally slowed down. You were forced to slow down by a global catastrophe. And you were like, wow, that's nice. Can we be men who make this a thing we do on purpose? 
Now, there are some of you in this room who are like, I'm great at the Sabbath. I'm so well-rested right now. I got nothing to do. <laughs> I do it regularly. If that's you, you find a young man in this room who has young kids and see if you might help him take a Sabbath, please. <laughs> you can be a materialized grandparent. I'm begging you on behalf of the... I, I have grandparents in the area, not everybody, so I, I don't have grandparents. My wife has parents who are... Anyway... It's part, of, it's part of why we moved to Colorado. We realized we needed some Sabbath time, and they happened to live here, so. It's good for them, too. It's not just me. You know, grandparents who spend time with their kids are less likely to develop Alzheimer's. Anyway, there's a lot of studies on that. I could, I could play that game with you later. Anyway, I have a prayer I want to pray over you guys because I know there are some men in this room that this is a little browbeating for them. This would have been browbeating for me at one point in time. Dude, I'm working 80-hour weeks. I'm just trying to put food in my kids' mouths. I'm trying to pay my mortgage. Where am I supposed to find four hours? If that's you, I don't want you to hear judgment in what I'm saying today. I want to pray peace and strengthen your weariness. And so I'm going to do that, and we're going to break over discussion groups. Sound good? If you would, bow your heads with me. This prayer is in the spirit of Psalms 31. I rewrote it a little bit to make it more prayerful and less King James. Father God, I seek shelter in you today. Please don't let this be in vain. You're a good God, so I know you'll hear my prayers. Please be my shelter and my rock. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am weary. My eyes are so heavy. My soul and body, too. Seems like I have been carrying a load for a very long time. My strength is spent. And I feel it all the way in my bones. Even the people who love me most don't want to be around me because I am unpleasant at best. There are some who do nothing but take from me, and even if I wanted to, I really have nothing left to give. I know you don't regard those who kneel to ridiculous idols, but I have bowed my life to you, and I'm doing my best here. I'm doing my best to build my life on the commitment I've made to you. Help me. I trust you, God. My life is in your hands. Surround me with your goodness and protect what I hold most dear. Teach me to be humble and to walk in your way so I don't fall to everything and everyone who's trying to trip me right now. I know you have given me more than I deserve, and even when the odds were stacked against me, somehow you did not leave me. You brought me this far. Blessed are you, O Lord, my God, King of the universe. Give me faith. Give me patience. Strengthen me. 
Restore my soul within me and bring me joy. Make me pleasant again and lift my head. Teach me to wait on you, no matter how often or how long it takes. I'll wait right here for you. God bless every man in this room. Give us the space. Teach us how to make that space in our work, in our marriages, in our fatherhood and grandfatherhood and great-grandfatherhood, God, in all the pursuits, the good work that you've laid before us, God, teach us to make the space to sit with you to be one with you, to appreciate what you've made and what you're doing in our lives, God, and restore the calling on each one of us so that we can walk forward into our busy but good weeks with purpose. Bless our discussions tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.